Welcome to the Sonic Shaman Show, home of the Coffee Connect and Conscious Connections. The show is dedicated to empowering you to perceive, know, be, and express your unique voice in this world without the fear of judgment of others through healing, coaching, and educational services. In each episode, Hank and his guests offer tools, techniques, and inspiration to help you step into your potency. Now, here is your host, Hank Settela. Welcome to everyone. And as I always go to make this public on my page, I invite all of you who have been getting value out of these videos, please take a moment to share it on your Facebook page or share the YouTube link. Just helps us reach more people. But we're very excited today to have a special guest. And Adriana knows you a little bit better than myself. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, the company that you come from, and uh, then kind of bridge into our topic for today, which is all about affirmations. Something happened, your audio cut out now, Nick. <laughs> oh, technical issues, everyone. So we're having sec. technical issues this morning, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't even know behind the scenes, like to this point, there was all kinds of technological drama. So gremlins. <laughs> we have gremlins this morning. <laughs> right. oh, there that's we go. Better, there Much we go. better. <laughs> so let me try again then. Uh, <laughs> It's too bad because what I was saying before when you couldn't hear me was insightful. It would have brought tears to your eyes, changed <laughs> or uh, increased your wealth substantially. Anyways, I'm Nick Angelis. I'm a nurse anesthetist. Been so since 2010. I graduated from the University of Akron. I also have a background in holistic health, a lot of herb supplements, things of that nature. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about me is I own a ketamine clinic. So what? I guess more in your line, Hank, uh, sort of like a pharmaceutically induced astral projection type of experience for many patients, people mm -hmm. for pain, depression, PTSD. And all of that just has sort of culminated in sort of what we're talking today about positive affirmations. What can the mind do? And I think more importantly, what are the limits to what the mind can do? What can we yeah. affirm? Uh, what can we will into existence? And what ends up being silly when we try to bend reality to some facade of what we think needs to happen when it's not at all uh, in tune with what reality is presenting us with. And on a side note, I would love to do a whole separate episode just on the ketamine clinic because that is such a profound therapy, but that is a, a, a topic for a different day. But I, I, I love your word choice of affirmations to like to project your will into the universe, because that's really in, in shamanism. We have this concept called moon night, which is a combination of your will and your love. And it is what you do to create the reality around you by expressing that will and love into the universe. And affirmations is a great tool to start working with the universe to start creating that. So my ketamine patients, when I was uh, re resetting their ankles for for the five minutes and knocking them out, you mean they're having this mad? I now I know they're having some massive astral <laughs> projection experience, and, and that's why they're like waking up with a smile on their face, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but it is fascinating the concept. My background as a Christian, there's so many denominations that cannot agree, like. What can we do with the power of God in this? What is us just standing around waiting for God to do things for us? Yeah. And that concept, I think, uh, is at the very core of humanity. What power do we as humans have to shape the universe? And how do we not go too far? Where again, where um, I believe the old cliche is so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, or the opposite when you're not, when perhaps you're doing great, but all those around you are. I know some of my patients where I'm like, I know you're no longer depressed, you're feeling fabulous, but this new identity is actually hurting your family. So perhaps we need to tone down your own self-expression and how you just feel glorious and at peace with the universe because it's still wreaking havoc in the lives around you. So that's interesting. So with that, as people use information and start to shift into their own beingness to people around them, they might create a, a bit of a dissonance if they're not kind of coming along for the ride, so to speak. Right, because we're so often we're codependent on others where if there's a trauma or a hurt or an addiction, everyone kind of shapes themselves around that. But then as you form a new identity, as you grow spiritually, mentally, in many ways, that's a question of how do I form a new identity that can be healthier, not just for me, but for those around me. And, and that's different because I feel that 
for those of us in spirituality or in healthcare, it's almost a customer service mindset. And it doesn't need to be that. Like holistic means everything in your environment mm -hmm. is shifting and changing and improving. Not just, I'm happier. Too bad that my family is no longer as happy and uh it's it's definitely something that's nuanced um but i think it's something that we don't pay attention to that right. we can't treat a person in isolation yeah there's a definition of health when i did a little COVID video when COVID first started people understand that the definition of health does not mean just physical it is and it's it's a actual i think it was a cdc definition that health includes mental spiritual social and physical, it's not, if one of those parts are off, you're not 100% healthy. And I think there's the misconception with that, that I'm just physically unhealthy, so that means, or I have mental things and that, no, it's your social environment, it's everything, your spiritual, it's it's a combination of things. And that's really missed a lot. Right. So how do we affirm our environment, Dr. K? <laughs> how do we affirm your, this is a very tricky thing because it's, as you know, Afro, I have had so many clients say, well, I stand for the mirror and I say I'm beautiful and I'm healthy and it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. There has to be a bridge of starting to feel that it's the spiritual definition of it really is you have to start feeling that on the inside. And that can be really tricky because if you don't feel that way, it's difficult to say I feel wonderful, I'm happy when inside you're kind of not. So the bridge between that is trying to get some help too and start, as Hank and I talk about, getting into that energy or find a place in time where you did feel good because everybody did feel good at some point and then something went haywire. There's always parts in life that were good. So go back to that point and step into that energy and remember what that felt like and that's and then try the affirmation or get some healings so that you can clear out some of that energy or get some of the ketamine that you need to, to start getting to that and then bridge, that's my thought, is just then bridge the affirmation so that it has more power. Because right. if you're just like, mm -hmm, it doesn't it doesn't really hold strength. And that being said, if you can't find a place to get into that state, I would say stay the course and say those affirmations anyway, because there does come a tipping point. They have a saying in AA, you fake it till you make it sometimes. And you're going through the motions, even though you say this crap's not working, you keep doing it anyway. And at some point it does. And it's just to suspend your disbelief, stay the course. We talk about that all the time. Uh, but something I want to circle back to. I can, when you say like the other people around with the codependency, uh, it can cause a, a little bit of chaos or whatnot. I know that I've had some clients that I just have a knowing that they're not willing to do the healing work because they have an awareness that if they go down that path and they step into their healthy self, that it means saying goodbye to people that mm -hmm. they feel close to, their friends, their family. So I think one thing right. to talk about too is like, well, how do people start to make the shift to really start to want it more than they don't? to start using the tools to start creating changes. Cause that's like a big stumbling block for a lot of people, I think. I've seen that right. too. I think it's a question of sustainability where I tell some patients, if you're ready to change, if you're ready to form a new identity, that's not about health. That's not about illness. That's beyond that in your self-worth, whether you're healthy or sick. Um, if, if you're willing to do that, then you can have sustainable changes here and you can walk away from my clinic because ketamine is only a small part of it. It's mostly just mental health and pain. And you don't have to come back and you'll be fine. If, on the other hand, you're not willing to make that shift, then you'll be a patient here for the rest of your life because you will always need to come back. You'll always need another treatment. You'll always need something for us because without changing your environment, there's no sustainability. You'll be like a dry plant that continually needs water by us as opposed to owning your own health and us just giving you the jump start and then you taking it from there. So I think that's kind of the key. And I say that a lot, that sustainability, do we want it? How, what are we willing to do for it? And in some cases, it's okay not to have it. Like in some, for some people right now, it's survival. What can I do to get me through the day? And if I need to come, you know, visit Dr. K, if I have to visit Hank every month or every week, it is what it is. And that's fine too. But I think at some point we have to decide Am I willing to make this a change that may change my identity and may be difficult? Am I willing to walk through that door or am I just going to stay here with, um, and I think that's part of affirmations too, that sometimes we may say things just so we don't have to do the hard healing work. 
um, again, with my background, we may use Jesus as a crutch that I'll just stay here and pray. Maybe God will do the hard stuff for me. Instead of the more concept I think we can all agree with, which is an abundant life is a hard life. One that is fulfilling through hardship where you're willing to go through things like grief, not just skirt around them and say the right words and hope it all works out. Yeah. Well, though things might appear hard, I'm a big advocate that if you put out to the universe to bring you things with ease, it doesn't have to be hard. But we're taught that at a young age, the, that for you to make it in this world, you have to work hard. And I think some people's point of view about that kind of creates that environment where, well, if I don't work hard, that means I can't have it. And we kind of mm -hmm. take out the possibility of ease. So I like to throw that in that, hey, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be so hard. But if you if that's the way that it needs to show up for you, then be willing to be that change and, and face that and move through it. It's all about let's staying course. Yeah. Sure, let's reframe it. Instead of hard, let's take this from the angle of strife, meaning that when you're striving for something that's immovable and you're still expending your effort and that energy isn't coming back to you, that's when you're doing it wrong. Because you're right, even in hard work, there should be a sense of ease that I'm on the right path. And without that, then you get what you're talking about where, oh, I'm doing it right because I'm struggling. Well, no, sometimes you're banging your head against the wall and you need to take a different angle or do something else, especially for I'm a very driven person. So many times in my life, I realized things like I worked 120 hours this week. This was not appropriate for my own well-being. <laughs> your human needs a break. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that too. A lot of people stop before they, I've had a lot of clients that come in that are afraid to, they want it, but yet it's, it's scary to do the work because it may be a little bit painful to walk through the door because it may pull up something. It, it may be uncomfortable. And I have had a handful of patients said, well, I don't want to do the healing because, and I don't want to do the pyramids process because that was hard work. Like, well, but do you want to get to where you're going? And this will be much faster than the way you've been taking it. So, or maybe it's just uncomfortable for them because oftentimes yeah. um, the symptoms that we experience are, uh, are the real cause of it is so, so deep from childhood or things, things that we've shut the door on. And the ego desperately doesn't want to deal with any of that stuff anymore. So it will distract you and manipulate you to always choose something different than something that's going to take you out of that well-trodden wagon roll rut that you're in and that if you have the where there's a will there's a way mm -hmm. and I, I love the thing you said nick about uh having your own self-sufficiency with water it reminds me of to use a, a bible reference teach a man to fish or versus giving him a fish if you teach a man to fish they always have food and you're you're with these processes of affirmations and everything you're, you're giving people the tools that they can be spiritually self-sufficient and right. you know it doesn't mean you'll never need help from somebody or or whatnot but it will totally change the dynamic putting the power within yourself instead of being a victim of the world with life happening to you instead of through you right and giving them the option would you like to fish or would you like me to hand you a fish yeah and make it your choice let's make it obvious that you are choosing to be sustainable or you are choosing to be hand fed and again it's there's it's not it's not a choice with judgment but it's a choice that i feel should be made clearly absolutely because then you can always change your mind if you know it's a choice when, right. uh, when what no longer serves you anymore. And for those of you uh, that have been watching or just tuning in, uh, we typically encourage questions, comments. So if what we're saying resonates with you, if what we're saying brings up something for you, feel free to make a comment. We'd be happy to kind of speak to that and uh, shift the conversation to where our viewers would like to go. And if you're catching this on the replay, go ahead and make a comment. We can always come back in a future broadcast and address those questions. Just make sure put the timestamp of when you are making your comment because it helps us find where your question or comment is relevant yeah we have no comments yet i know this is a quiet friday Ooh. but i i can tell people are watching i see the little <laughs> <laughs> but they're just quiet maybe they're just wanting to soak it all in or they're saying <laughs> affirmations it's like i will learn all of this information with total ease <laughs> my wi-fi will not fail me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think it becomes this it's hard to put into words but it, it, people often desire certain things or I, I like to use with desire versus want because want says means lack but people often they come to you nick they come to you hank they come to me they i want this fixed i want this done whatever it is health issue 
um, anxiety, you know, more whatever it is that they want fixed. Um, yet it's so interesting as to all the resistances that pop up and God knows it happens for me too. It happens for all of us. We all have resistances, but it's amazing how these start layering up to, well, I don't want to take that vitamin B6 cause that's going to hurt my stomach. And I don't want to take that because I don't know how I'm not going to, I don't think I want to do that. And I'm not going to eat that egg that you're telling me to eat, even though it does have a lot of protein in it because I, so it's all these becauses start happening. So it's really interesting how the, the, the mind and the ego will start layering up resistances to, 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 to these things, the way we do it, like in the ketamine, probably not, they sit down, you hook up the IV and, and you go, <laughs> that's maybe a little bit, or is it, you can comment no, on that. Uh, it's completely a willfulness. So we were able at first to try to get insurance to pay for these treatments completely. And we realized that without the energy exchange of someone giving of their resources to receive this, it wasn't doing much that without mm, a personal sacrifice and even the Spravato, which is uh, insurance does cover it's a nasal spray. Well, you have to sit in the clinic for two hours. So that's also an investment of time. But without an investment, these sort of psychedelic therapies do nothing for you because it's not something you take it and you're great. I mean, it can be at high doses, but uh, I, of course, am saying if you engage your mind, we can do this a lot more gently. Um, <laughs> and, and so that's, I think, an aspect that without the willingness, and it's, it's what you said about the ego. We want to change, but on our terms and the very concept of change means that what you've done so far has been insufficient. So you have to go beyond what you're willing to do or what you know. You have to find someone who knows something that you don't know. And that's the way to change, which is hard for me. I tend to be self-sufficient. And now in my life, I'm in a place where I practice a helplessness, actually. Where I'm like, hey, I could do this on my own. For the sake of the habit of knowing when to ask for help, the next time I need it, I'll go to my brother and ask him. Or I'll find a friend or a pastor. And sometimes it's just forming the good habit so that when I'm overwhelmed next time, I already have resources built in as opposed to like, um, otherwise I feel I'd be like a, a baby just crawling around enjoying my toys. And then one day it's like, it's time to do calculus. Let me <laughs> my baby mind and figure out this logarithmic equation immediately. Like without yeah. that practice, you can't do it during times of hardship and stress. Yeah. And it is a journey. I think one thing I've learned, I've always been like, give me the thing, the, the instant thing. How long is this? I'm a very structured thinker. So tell me I have to do this for two weeks and everything's going to be gone. And right. one thing I'm learning, this is a journey. It is day to day to day work. It's not like you get the ketamine injection and you're done and you're <laughs> healed. Boom. Anxiety's gone. Never to come back. There's so many pieces to this and it's a day to day to day. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've learned to become a routine and, and meditate pretty much every day, do a clearing every single day. Maybe I skip on a weekend when I'm busy, but be getting a routine, that's where the shifts, that's where life starts changing. You don't detox and eat clean for a week and then you're, you're magically never ever gonna have to do anything again. Okay. It's that's magical thinking. So it's a life change. And something that just came to me too, like 28 years, well, they say in astrology, like the first 28 years is you being programmed and we're unconsciously creating the reality around us. And then when we have a wake up call and we start to work on ourselves, we're trying to consciously undo 28 years of unconscious manifestation. And it can be daunting because you we want that quick instant fix, but it took you X amount of time to get to that point. So give yourself a break, use tools and really start to, to, go for gusto but recognize that if how long did it take you to create the space that you're in it may take longer than a week or two weeks or one treatment to un unmanifest the things that you're not looking to show up in your life anymore right absolutely time is maybe did you hopefully you didn't lose your thought i did come back <laughs> poof, poof the magic, the magic dragon. dragon that's our line here thoughts just go far <laughs> One question, because we talked about the ketamine clinic a little bit, when someone is looking to start being like using tools like that to to start to shift the reality, uh, what would you say like leading into that, like with affirmation things, like I'm a big advocate, try to do as much consciously as you can before looking to, to do something like that. Uh, right. Do you, do you kind of give people some like homework things to do, like, like the affirmations, like what affirmations would you typically give to people to start working with before having a, a more aggressive, oh, they don't want to use right. aggressive, more intense, more potent sure. experience? 
Well, one question is why? Why do you want to get better? Will you feel that once you don't, you're not plagued by depression, you can join normal society, you're a normal person? Well, that's flawed because none of us are normal, especially not the three of us. No offense, guys. <laughs> no, we're not. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so uh, I think there's a self-identity question. Do you accept yourself um, if you never get better? Do you accept yourself as you are or do you loathe who you are? So there's this concept in Christianity of us being uh, lousy sinners saved by grace. But the concept of that is sometimes harmful in that if you're loathing a part of yourself, there's a civil war between your body, mind, and soul. Uh, it's the same as if when you talk to people who say, I hate cancer, I can't stand this cancer in my body. I'm not saying that you should love your cancer. I am saying that all of you is a part of you. And when you deny access to part of yourself, then you're not a whole person. You are two-dimensional, you're denying a part of you exists. And usually it just means you're not grappling with some difficult things that may be outside your theology or philosophy. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, we have therapists here and we that's part of uh, what we do. You see the psychiatrist, you see the therapist, you start working through things. And many times my goal is, let's not do this. It, it's probably about, honestly, five to 10% of my patients who end up doing the ketamine infusions. Because often I, we say, well, try this medicine or let's look at this affirmation. But by the time they get to that stage, then they have built in some tools so that they can make it go farther, longer. Uh, again, with a goal of sustainability rather than always having to come back. Um, and I think that's important that, not that you have to exhaust everything that you have, but you need to have the right tools. And I did remember what poofed away from me a few minutes ago. Uh, Adriana was talking about um, like eating right and detoxing. That itself can be harmful. And this is what we're getting into about the limit of affirmations. So I've been in perfect health because of very strict diets and regimens. Um, but that, that extreme of control, like let's say you go from 90% to 100% organic. What does that mean? That means you're super lame at parties. That's what that means. That means everyone else feels self-conscious when you're gobbling your kale chips and they're having the Christmas cookies or whatnot. And so we need to realize that there are limits to the control, to the, uh, the excellence that we expect from ourselves in health, in behavior. Um, and sometimes the times when I was in the best health were not the happiest part times of my life because of the um, the 100% effort it took to get there. And so it's that concept of giving yourself grace. Like maybe you stand in front of the mirror, as you said, and you say, I am beautiful, I believe this, um, but at what cost? So I think that's something that's important, even with the ketamine infusions. This may change your life, this may change your outlook, but everything has a cost. And what identity do you want and how do you want to shape that? With the realization, again, that you sh this shouldn't all be under your control. As humans, it's not wise for us for, to 100% be exactly who we want to be. Um, there's a control issue with that that I don't think is healthy. Interesting. Hmm. You gave me a lot to think about with that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, it's it can good. be at extremes. And so, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a tricky way to define this as that middle path. You can have that individual that is mega vegan, mega, like you've seen those people, mega healthy, and then something happens to them. Yeah. You have those people that are eating burgers every day and fries and burritos and something happens to them. It's, it's, I think it's all en encompassing in life. You can be so controlling of your life that you are that person that just like walks around in a, in a bubble suit and just <laughs> eats nothing but vegetables. And I, I, so I see what you're saying with that. And I've seen those kinds of people and they can have pitfalls as well. So it is trying to find that middle ground and really um, staying healthy and trying to enjoy life in, in all aspects and allowing yourself those things. Yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky middle path to find, I think. Right. 
what comes to me is that as in this ever-present moment of now, we are in a constant state of flux. 2020 is amazing proof mm -hmm. and example of that. And oftentimes when we start to define and conclude who we are looking to be, we're projecting this thing into the future that we're now not giving ourselves permission necessarily to change our mind in the next 30 seconds as our awareness has changed. Because we're always taught you set a goal, you go towards the goal, you don't deviate till you hit the goal, and then you might reassess or whatnot. But what would it be like if every day you redefine who you're going to be in the world and give yourself permission to change with the world and that might be kind of the missing piece in a way like the middle ground might be that you're willing to to change as the world changes and what right. what would create the most for you in this moment versus seeing myself 20 years from now what would create the most but tomorrow the whole world changes but i don't lose my vision mm -hmm. yeah, and that yeah. may be personality based too for me i'm a little bit too flexible a little bit too willing to pivot multiple times of you know, hour, day, <laughs> whatnot. Um, so for me, sometimes fixate on that goal and is good for me. Um, but yeah, it, it all depends for sure. I did have one thought, um, what you said about 2020. And because I assumed that this show would be a little awkward in a really good way because we all have different spiritual beliefs. We all have different approaches to health. But one thing with positive affirmations, is it, is it okay to be awkward and political and strange? Well, absolutely. Okay. We can be. The more awkward, the better, I think. Awesome. So I was thinking when, when I knew, and you know, I know we, knowing each other as experts, we didn't have to plan this. This is just a conversation, what comes to mind. But I was thinking yesterday about the chaos at the Capitol and how this is based on affirmations. This is based on someone says their reality of this election was fraudulent. And because it's said from a charismatic leader who people follow, there is chaos. And that's, I think, a good uh, example of the limits of affirmations. Because I was thinking, what are you protesting? Are you protesting addition? Are you protesting math? The way that more people didn't want this person than you did? And so that's, I think it's, it encapsulates a concept of the limit of affirmations. That you can say things that resonate that are meaningful, that cause reactions, that stir passions, but they may not be true. And because they're not true, they lead to chaos, they lead to disorder and anarchy. So for me, I think, because it's, it's difficult, as you were saying, Dr. K, it's difficult to kind of parse into words some of this, but I think that's a clear example of the limit of an affirmation is if it's disconnected from reality in a way that causes division and literal anarchy and death. And that actually kind of bridges into a concept I call congruent manifestation or congruent actualization, that mm -hmm. what you're looking to create for yourself, are you creating from ego that is reacting to the world? Or are you creating from your inner knowing, which is resonating with totality? And if you're creating from like a resonance from a congruency of body, mind and spirit, usually the things that you are choosing and affirm are going to create more and more possibility in the world. But if it's ego reacting to resisting and reacting to or aligning and agreeing with, it's perceptions of duality, which is a, an awareness of separation instead of unity, then you get potential chaos. So I, I, I look at things like that, like when you talk about limiting affirmations, as you're making it, are you making this affirmation from the totality of you from your knowing or are you reacting to a perception of reality, which is an illusion if, of, right. of, 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 of sorts? Yeah, a lot of people are coming. I think the biggest thing with this is we get we get tied up in the humanness, we get tied up that this is it, this is the body, this is it, this is once we die, there's nothing more. But we always forget that there is a spirit inside us. Uh, it goes beyond us, actually. And this is where I think a lot of people are getting stuck. And this is where I think oh, trying to wake people up to say, don't forget that beyond Trump, beyond Biden, beyond all this stuff is something so much bigger. And right. we don't know that it's like right now we're all we're all looking at this person, this person, the Senate, and this is this is all this is this is and this is our country. And there's something so much bigger. And don't forget that you are a soul. And people are not identifying with that right now. We're identifying with the body and the mind and blame and throwing all that out there and in the need to be right that this is this way. And this is where we're all getting really stuck. And this right. is, yeah, these affirmations we throw out are, they're not all correct, but that's the mind. That's what the mind is creating. So it's, it's tricky to put into words and those mm -hmm. that can see it. Great. We can see it. There's a lot of people that still need to be brought up. And so, right. 
we yeah. work on that. <laughs> and the thing is too, that when people are in judgments and um, negative affirmations to not react or resist that or align and agree with that either, holding a space of allowance, you simply let people be where they're at and you hold the space for a different possibility without any expectation that they choose it. And that's the energy that starts to shift worlds because instead of this, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, the reality of duality. If you hold space, the reality of oneality takes precedence and it holds a, a, an opportunity for people to choose differently because they're not being pressured. So they're not in that, in shamanism, we call teke, this, this tension with opposition. When you have, don't have the opposition, now you can move forward into a different possibility. So a lot more food for thought. We're kind of going on esoteric in our conversation. I like it. <laughs> so are you saying, Hank, that it's not an issue of making your reality stronger than the next person's? Because that's often oh. what, what we find ourselves, where can I believe so strongly in my beliefs that my reality of how the world works is stronger than the next person so that my reality is what we go with. And this is often something in relationships, obviously, of whose reality takes precedent to um, and it you know brings into concepts like gaslighting and all that yeah. but whose reality uh manifests basically well in relationships that functions from duality because it is a it is a recognition of separation what we know though is in totality really god is all there is or oneness is all there is however you want to look at it and if you look at things then as creationships instead of relationships you're allowing the person to be in their space you're being in your space and now you can ask the question well what could i create be in creationship with this person versus relationship where you're going to have that teke and, and that, and that tension between people because it's really a question of allowance there's a saying i forget where what modality comes from but it's not until you've accepted or not accepted what's the phrase it's not until you have taken ownership of everything that you can can begin to change anything and in a way looking at the other person as you know may the namaste may the god and me greet the god and thee for the highest good recognizing them also as another aspect of divinity that their reality is no more or less divine than your own in that space it allows a, a different possibility of change but so it gets perhaps, really boo -boo. <laughs> no that's fine so perhaps um is the concept of being rooted. Like I know Dr. K with some of your work, that's um, not maybe in those words, but that is a concept of it, of like, if you're rooted in yourself, if you know your body, uh, if you're at ease with your identity, then there's a lot more that you can do both interacting yeah. with yourself and with others. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's, um, it's really all about you because as you change yourself, things around you will change. And as you said in the beginning, it is a little tricky because then then it affects family members so you really have to always bring it back to you and i tell people stay in your own lane stop merging when you're driving you're not going to go merging into somebody else's lane are you you're going to focus on the lane what happens when you go into the other lane you start bumping off you start getting hit so staying in your own lane and that's tricky for people because what is so what is my mom going to think well now that i'm happy what is she you um people are going to be upset yeah, sometimes people fall off the sides and that's really tricky. So it's really always coming back to you because you're, you've entered this world as you, your own soul, and you will leave as that. And that's where things get really, they get sideways for people and they can't kind of catch all these things. And it's just always bringing it down to you and taking ownership, yes, of everything that you've created because you have created kind of your own world. And then we want that, we, the, the, the mind starts searching for all these fixes and sometimes the fix is just doing a nice evaluation of yourself and how things have created. I don't know what's going yeah. on with my camera here today. And, and if we're afraid of somebody reacting to our change in a certain way, we're all very aware beings, whether or not we take, you know, aware uh, ownership of our awarenesses and what if the people that are reacting to your change are reacting to your change because you have created a projection of that expectation within them and it's all this interplay again that you have your own fear of accepting yourself perhaps that's being projected in other people so it's really those affirmations and your, our thoughts and everything it's so important to really be mindful of everything we're putting out into the universe because if you fear that you're going to lose your friends if you change what if that very fear is what creates that loss and if you didn't have that then right. it would occur and and that may also be a reflection of what if i don't like the new me what if I, you know, as I'm afraid to step into my being, because if I'm taking true ownership of everything that I'm choosing now, 
I have no one to blame if it, if I screw up. <laughs> and yeah. so we start to take ownership and th there's a lot of pressure with that because we're always taught uh, like if you have kids, you'll know it's always so-and-so, it's always so-and-so, the fingers go pointing. And I tell my, my both my kids all the time, like you are the common denominator in everything mm -hmm. that you experience. <laughs> and and yeah. that's a, been a, a real shift for them sometimes when they're not being total kids, but a lot of food for thought. Right. Well, it reminds me, so there was a friend of mine and they realized their partner was doing something wrong. And they said to themselves, I'm going to accept this for now, because if I lose this partner, I will lose this whole group of friends. And I really liked all these friends and what they mean to me. And so I was telling them, like, you realize that this is terrible, of course, that you'll accept this in order to keep these friends. But at least you were aware of the dynamics. You were aware I'm doing this because I like this whole group of people. Um, and sometimes that's the first step and it's a necessary step that sometimes we're not ready to be who we need to be and we're not ready to demand what we need in a relationship or in life. But at least we have the understanding that I'm weak here and here's the reason why and I can work on this. And I was like, that's still a lot healthier than someone who kind of, you know, brush it under the carpet or under the rug and not really be willing to understand what their weakness is or why they're having that issue. And I think that's appropriate. Like the first step is almost a um, immaturity or inconsistency. And that simply means that you're learning the steps to self-actualization or you're learning the steps to fighting for what matters for you. Um, because in American culture, as we know, we have this concept that I need to be 100%. I need to be fixed. I need to be performing at all times. And that's not, you know, as a Greek, if you have enough money for baklava and some coffee with friends, you're set. What else do you need in life? <laughs> uh, and it has its problems. I mean, Greece still has a lot of debt because of that philosophy. But there is something to that aspect of I don't have everything, but I have what I need for the moment. And, I, and so I will be grateful for that. Which really right. sounds like a good affirmation, honestly. Well, Dr. K talks about that all the time, that to start appreciating the things in your life that are, are serving you and you focus on the gratitude. And that's a huge signal to the universe. Hey, universe, I'm grateful for this. Let more show up versus focusing on the bills you don't have the money to pay or the things that you don't have in your life because then the black shows up. So mm -hmm. I, I, I that stole Dr. K's That's fine. That goes across <laughs> the board. That goes for health. Like I don't have this... Okay, so you have a lot of pain. Can you go to the store without a wheelchair? Yeah. Okay. So let's let's look at that. Let's shift the perspective because and I do this a lot too. I'm like, oh man, money's not coming in. I got bills to pay, rent, you know, mortgage. But but are you okay in this moment? Because the, the future's not here and the past is gone. It's it's always now. And are you okay now? Yes, yes, I am. Plenty. Then you can really start to understand how abundant you really are and these are very tricky things because the mind will will pull you in different directions you get it in this very moment the second we get off the stream it's going to start pulling you back to the other side it happens all the time so this is where it's the consistent work developing the tools to bring yourself back and say i'm okay now i can get up now i can get up i got up from bed this morning there's always worse and so we always want this like instant fix and to just right. clean it all up and get to that 100% because that's what society wants. And that's the, the rules that we put on things and I'll do my affirmations so that I can, you know, everything's going to change, but people fall short. That's the problem. You can give people affirmations and when they don't work within a week, within two weeks, within three weeks, it's Dr. Kate didn't work. It can take a month. It can take two. It can For take me, it took three. about a year. I've shared it that before. With a, when I got sober from drinking, I had that affirmation, self-pity and gratitude cannot coexist. And then immediately reframing wherever I went that was negative. And for almost a year, it was just a word game. It didn't do anything. Uh, but then the there, shift happened and I just started being grateful and it changed everything. So we talk about that staying the course Staying the course, if, if you if it doesn't work, fake it till you make it and there, that shift will come. But you have to suspend your disbelief and continue right. to. And if you say affirmations in mirror, it can be more potent because your brain starts to associate what you're saying with what it's seeing. And you can uh, kind of exponentialize the use of affirmations or posing them as a question. How would it be if my life came to me with ease and joy and glory? Because a question engages the brain differently in topographical brain mapping even that it can create 
a different dynamic with the use of affirmations. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, it has to do with, so although, although our identity and our health can be fragile, so can our illness, which is good. Um, like a patient was telling me yesterday how his pain is gone, but he's doing uh, TMS at our clinic. It's transcranial magnetic stimulation. It's like a MRI for depression. It shouldn't do anything for pain. But I told him, I was like, your pain is a Jenga tower. We simply took out one block of this depression and the whole thing is collapsing. It doesn't make physiological sense. But obviously one of the things I try to do is let me do the most I can with the least. So sometimes if you just take out one little sliver of what's wrong, uh, everything else will collapse and their health is restored. And so I think that's a helpful affirmation as well, this concept that just like my health itself may be fragile, maybe my illness is also fragile. And if I can take control of one aspect or if I can feel better inside in my core, then often despite the six diagnoses or the seven lab tests or whatever objective data we have, everything will just crumble and we can have health uh, just because we're able to piece apart one part of this complex web that we're dealing with. In access consciousness as well as shamanism, we have an idea that you go for what we would call like the original wounding of something because we, we have the belief that oftentimes things are going on physically start first out here in the field and as as things aren't addressed it could become physical and if you get to that original wound and take that flow of energy out that's feeding all the other things that resonate with it it's like a like a jenga tower just collapsing and yeah. what would you say taking that sliver out you want to take it go with the goals take the sliver out as far down that tower as you can to collapse it and then you can keep working and taking more slivers out collapsing it as you go because sometimes it's really difficult to get to whatever that original source is right absolutely because that's what i do i, I feel i have patients say i need i'm in pain management and it's not working can you help my pain and i say instead no, we're going to deal with this trauma and then we won't need to deal with this pain. And that's how mm -hmm. it works. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I say with all of this, it's never, very rarely is it just one thing. Like I, I ate this plant and now I'm, or I ate this pill and now I'm sick. It's usually, you weren't, majority of kids are not, we are not born sick. We come into this world pretty much healthy. Yes, some things are passed through the placenta viruses and such, but majority of the time we don't have all these traumas kids recover as you know very quickly with all sorts of things we start accumulating we start accumulating traumas we start eating and drinking kool-aid or eating gummy bears or some and then then it's toxicity and then it's you know poor eating habits and then as we grow older we were taught so all these things accumulate so very rarely is it just like okay i'm going to take this one thing out and you're going to be better it's trying to find that one thing. Yeah, and a lot of times it can be a trauma and that's why they're having the pain. And if you can plug, unplug that, it, it can get a lot of things to crumble. Some people take way more work. So it's right. not just like one session and we're done. You know, it's it's the accumulation of different things, poor, poor eating habits, um, you know, different traumas that we've had. I've met a lot of people have had a lot of traumas and all of a sudden now they have some sort of allergy or something that, that right. or pain that's popping up. And that's due to all these culmination of things that have happened. And now the physical body, as Hank and I talk about, it works its way in and it's a biochemical reaction that starts happening. And now they have a result and now it's a crutch mm -hmm. or whatever else it is. And so working on that often unplugs right. things. And that's why sometimes pain management isn't working. I've, I've had a yeah. lot of patients in my past that we went to pain management. I was okay for a week and now it's not working anymore. Because yeah. that's symptom management versus cause management. Theoretically, yeah. biochemically, it should, what we're doing should be working. If, if you're looking at it from a traditional medical perspective, it should be working. Why is it not working? Right. There's something else. And that's when people need to come see one of the three of us is like, Physiologically, this should be done and it's not. And I, I know I play a lot of devil's advocate, but there are limits to that too. So one of my favorite books, very irreverent, is the book, um, What White People Like. And it mentioned how in American culture, like we like to blame our parents for a lot of stuff. Like the concept is, oh, my parents did this wrong and I messed up because of this and that. Well, in other cultures, it's more of like, hey, I'm going to um, be there until age 30 and I'll live at my parents' house and all that. So sometimes that's a concept too. 
just want to bring up for everybody watching. I'm going to read through. So we did have a couple of comments, but we were on a roll, so I didn't bring them up. We have about five minutes left because I have another thing at 11 that I have to hop off for and be on. So if you have any questions, uh, please ask them now. But um, back towards the beginning, Joseph was just offering, along with affirmations, commitment, consistency, persistency, running, jogging, walking a race with no finish line, laugh out loud. And just uh, I think he was speaking to like the staying the course type of energy and recognizing that there really isn't an end goal because everything is in constant continuous flux and whatnot. And Greg had a run to work. He, uh, he's, he might catch the rest on the replay, uh, but Greg was saying, I have been very successful in my life at times, but looking back, I seem to have allowed myself to go so far and then fear set it. So this resonates with me, fear of losing my family and friends and historical habits. People will say, you, you have changed. Of course you have changed, that's the point. But there, what maybe you could speak to a little bit about this, like people who start to have progress and then they kind of really relapse back into old habits. Is there something people can do as they are starting on that path of change when they come across that stumbling block, things that they can do to persevere through where our inclination to go back to the old way that's more comfortable? I can tackle it first in that. So remember that like when people are overweight, they'll do a diet that works and then their body resets to a weight that the body thinks is better for them, which is not usually. So that's how it is in mental health. And I think physical health, our body sometimes has these reset points that are not what we want. And so we strive and we struggle to kind of uh, deal with the symptoms and change the way our body wants to go back to something else. And in obviously in mental health, a lot of it's trauma that we have these defense mechanisms that served us and protected us at one point and no longer do that. So I think we have to think of it in terms of resetting what the body thinks is right. And that is a reality change uh, with that comment of fear. Part of it is really realizing that um, there is there are parts of us that degenerate or we can't always stay in the perfect philosophy or the perfect idea. For example, I'm at a point in my life where um, I no longer have the patience to watch self-destruction occur in front of me and just pray about it or whatnot, where I need to act. And it's, it's honestly not that I don't have the ability because I'm a very patient person. It's simply that this did not serve me well in the past. And so that I cannot take that into my future that I need to confront much quicker. And, uh, you know, because for example, when I get angry, it's a choice because I don't lose my temper. So if I get angry at you, you can't say, well, he just lost his temper. No, he chose to get angry at you. And so we have to realize that um, we will lose things. We may lose positive attributes of ourselves as we grow, but that also leaves room for growth and um, stagnation is a real issue, just like water gets algae and bacteria if it's not flowing, so do we as humans. So sometimes we will lose relationships. We will lose attributes that we very much loved about ourselves, but that's just part of it. Because you know we've all seen getting awkward again. We've all seen um, people who were like, are they 30 and live really hard? Are they 50 and really live their life right? Like there's this aspect of oh, we want to capture our youth and stay with it, or we want to still be something that we are no longer. And the result over time is preposterous. Um, like, you know, there's, there's a meme of like a pug and it says, here's what every man over 30 looks like in skinny jeans. So that concept of sometimes we try to capture something that has left a long, long time ago, and it's silly when we try to hold on to that. One thing that you said about the body resetting to a weight that it thinks it's healthy, a concept that I personally believe in is that the being and the body are two separate things and that mm -hmm. we can do things to enter in a communion with our body because sometimes we're making a choice as the being and the body doesn't know really what's going on. And if we can be in a space of a congruency with that as well, it can bring a lot more ease with the body changing with the being as we're making different choices of who we're, we're really choosing to be in the world. Um, just bringing up Greg's comment too. He said, great conversation. He had to go to work because he had a training, but I'm sure he'll catch the rest of the replay. Then we have Magic Mike just waking up and joining us. Good morning, Mike. You'll have to catch the replay, buddy. <laughs> and, and Mark saying, a great show. Thank you for all the amazing knowledge. My final question for you, Nick, uh, just because you've, you've given such great information and you we, we kind of, in um, 
non-direct terms talked about the clinic and and what you do if people want to connect with you going forward i put i put the com link to your website and your profile page in the comments and put it up on the banner but if people wanted to kind of take a deeper dive into what you could offer in terms of healing and, and working on oneself what would be their steps to getting in touch with you and, and getting that process started sure and like dr k's practice a lot of what we do is hey you've been to a lot of places they couldn't help you. Now it's time to try this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> most of it's insurance-based. Some of it isn't. All of it's practical-based, meaning that this isn't just you go through the motions of health, but it's like, you no, know, really, what do we want to do here and how do we want to get there? Uh, so you can always call our office. It's 330-754-4844 or uh, on the web, alleviant.com. Um, and actually, alleviant.com backslash Akron is probably a more direct route. Okay. Um, or just alleviant.com. Uh, so not Allegiant, which is a low-priced airline, which is <laughs> but Alleviant. And I'm on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of those. Um, but that is one way. And we do uh, mental health, psychiatrists, uh, therapists. As a nurse anesthetist, I do a lot of pain management. Um, much of that is a kind of mean infusion, but we have other options as well. Uh, so basically, again, if... And I think for both me and Dr. K, it's the same where maybe you got a report back and everything looks normal and you do not feel normal. Well, that's where we come in. There may be an emotional, a spiritual or a neurological issue. Neuroinflammation is one thing that's really big with me. Um, and I think for both of us, I can speak to, if we can't get you completely better, we can probably direct you to what the next step is. Uh, I think, again, titles and affirmations and Sometimes you need more than here's a label that will slap onto you. Sometimes you just need to know what's the next step or how do I get to the root cause or what's really at play here. And I think that's kind of the summary of what we've said today is that you have to go deeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and be comfortable with being uncomfortable and then yeah. it makes it much easier to stay the course. But I, I thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. I hope that uh, you enjoyed it and that you will come on again. I think we had a... Uh, I, I had no idea what to expect with our conversation, but I absolutely loved the directions that it went in and the, what what came up out of it. So I, I personally really enjoyed it. Great. But thank you, everyone. If you're catching it on the replay, please um, share. Well, if you're catching on the replay, please drop any comments and, uh, with questions that you have. And always please share the video if you got value out of this. There was a link to our YouTube channel in the description for this video. That is the best place to share it because it helps it get organically served to a lot more people so we can help more people. And um, tell all your friends about us. We, uh, we really enjoyed having you. Any final thoughts, Dr. K, before we... I think, yeah, this is, this is not a, a very clear cut answer. This is, we are all here to help you. And I think the biggest thing, maybe find what resonates with you. Not, not right. every healer. I've been to a lot of different people for myself and I got something out of everybody. So sometimes you're with somebody for a while and maybe you get a little tidbit out of it. Maybe somebody gives you more. Find who resonates with you. You're always going to get something out of everybody. Nothing's a waste. Um, but find who resonates with you and, and ride with them until they get you to the next saturation point and then you can move on. It's level, it's levels of life. I'm going to call it just yeah. levels of life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and for anybody who wants to connect with Dr. K or myself, if you just go to emergenceofbeing.com under contributors, we each have a profile page there where you could reach out or schedule appointments. And the other thing to mention, on the first and third uh, Monday of every month, uh, Dr. K and I do an energy clinic here at the center. Uh, so if you wanted a place to start, it's just a quick 15 minute thing where we do a little quick uh, working, getting some of the energies out of the way that makes it easier to find the stuff you need to work on. And it's a great place to start if you don't know where to start. But, but again, thank you for everybody for showing up. And Dr. K and Nick, thanks again. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Right. See you guys. Thanks for joining us today for the show. The Sonic Shaman is part of the Emergence of Being Contributor Network. Visit emergenceofbeing.com to learn about all the contributors and learn about our services and upcoming events. Please take a moment to subscribe to the channel. You can contribute to the show by supporting our efforts and sharing our content with those you care about and those who need it most.